So uh, last week we were we've been working our way through the book of Luke, and as we've been working our way through the book of Luke, we've looked at uh, different stories. We're looking at Jesus's uh, teachings, and last week he he taught us uh, a parable. He told a story that illustrated uh, some some really profound but simple truths about how we receive the word of God, how we uh, allow the word of God to to become. Uh, rooted in our hearts and rooted in our lives. And so I'm going to invite you guys, we're going to pick up that story. And this week is actually kind of a, a, a furthering of that same idea. That same idea kind of keeps going with these two paragraphs that we're going to look at this week. So uh, last week, Jesus was describing the soil, the good soil, and, and, and how people receive the word of God. And so this week, we're going to continue to dig into that. I'm going to invite you guys to make your way to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, we're going to look at verses 16 through 21. So as you guys find your way there, we'll all read together. Luke chapter 8, verses 16 through 21. Now no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a container or puts it under a bed, but he puts it on a lampstand so that those who who come in may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. So take care how you listen, for whoever has, to him more shall be given, and whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has will be taken away from him. And his mother and brothers came to him, and they were unable to get to him because of the crowd. And it was reported to him, Jesus, your, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wishing to see you. But he answered and said to them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Let's pray together this morning. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for uh, this morning being a little warmer than it has been the last few weeks. And, and God, uh, the opportunity to gather together with our church family, God, together together with our family of faith who, uh, God, are our brothers and sisters sitting here in the parking lot together with us. God, desiring to hear from you this morning. So God, as we open up your word, as we spend the next few minutes talking about uh, what you talked about thousands of years ago, God, we just, we pray that you would uh, give us ears to hear like Jesus said last week. God, that you would give us uh, a heart that doesn't just uh, hear facts, but God uh, understands them and allows them to take root in our lives, in our heart as good soil, as Jesus talked about last week. So God, we give this time to you and we pray that you would use it. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. All right, well, as we look at our passage this week, the the first little chunk that we see here uh, is Jesus talking about a lamp. In verses 16 through 18, he talks about uh, turning on this light. So we've got this story about the lamp. And and you guys remember last week, uh, we looked at a passage that would have been very reasonable to the people that were standing around listening. That As as people were there listening, uh, Jesus is telling them a story that that seems very familiar to them. He was talking about a, a farmer going out and casting seed. Anyone who had eaten in that season understood the process of how food was grown and and how a farmer had to go out and cast seed. So it was something that seemed very reasonable and very normal. But this week, as Jesus turns his attention to uh, this uh, next illustration, we find it's it's not quite the same reasonableness. Jesus kind of offers an absurd illustration here as he's uh, continuing on this path because what he does is, is he takes something that would seem very common, like lighting a lamp, and talks about some crazy ways that that lighting a lamp could be misused. So last week, uh, sorry, last night, uh, we had the kids get involved here for a minute. Alexandra, you're the only kid I see, so you're going to have to help me out, all right? 
All right. So Jesus talks about lighting a lamp. It's like a candle. So mom has jar candles and, you know, candles and stuff at home, right? What happens if we take the lid from that jar candle and you put it on top? What's going to happen to the candle? Is it going to do its job still? No, it's going to put it out, right? If you put it on there, it, it, it snuffs it out. The candle is no longer going to, to, to burn and make the house smell good or put off light or whatever it's supposed to be doing. What about if you put that same candle, we leave it lit and you hide it under your bed? Is that a good idea? That's probably not a good idea, right? At best case scenario, the light is hidden under the bed. Worst case scenario, we've got a big problem, right? We stuck the candle under the bed, now we've got all kinds of trouble. So Jesus, these are the illustrations that Jesus uses. He says, no one takes a lamp, no one takes a light, hides it under a container, right? If you put it under a jar or a container of some sort, it's probably going to snuff it out. It's not going to accomplish what it's supposed to accomplish. What about if we put it under a bed? It's, it's not going to accomplish what it's supposed to accomplish. So what Jesus is doing here is he's giving us a, a really practical uh, explanation for something that, that's really important for us. See, we, we're standing here today. We're, we're sitting here in 2020 in Southern California in this context where as we look at the world, as we look at uh, things that, that people decide to follow or not follow, believe or not believe. We're, we're in this context right now where feelings are so incredibly important. Maybe you've been having conversations with someone about what the Bible says or, or how we should respond to a certain situation, and you've heard this statement. I've, I've heard this several times. Well, that's not, that's not my God. That my, my Jesus wouldn't do that. My, my Jesus doesn't want me to respond in that way. Well, I have good news and bad news for you guys. The good news is it doesn't really matter what your Jesus would do because Jesus was a real person. And so we don't have to interpret how Jesus would respond to a situation. We need to look at his word and find out how he would respond to a situation. Jesus, we we don't get to interpret for ourselves. Well, that makes me uncomfortable. So, well, you know what? God is, is, is who he is. His truth is, is what's true, and uh, no matter how our feelings may be, this passage is important. As Jesus talks about this idea, it's important for us because God holds us accountable to his word. It, it, he talks about here in these verses that, that teaching the word of God, that understanding what's true is critical for us. It's important for us because I didn't, I didn't know is not a defense that's going to work one day when we stand in front of God. Well, you, you, you did this or you refused to do, well, God, I didn't know. If he said it in his word, we should know. So Jesus follows up last week's very reasonable story of a farmer sowing seed with this really absurd illustration of taking a, a lamp, a candle, and putting it under a basket. The function of the lamp was to, to, to make visible that which was previously not visible. What was previously hidden in darkness is now made visible by the lamp that is lit and then put on a lampstand so it gives light to the house. In the same way, the Word of God is mentioned time and time and time again in Scripture as the light. Psalm 119 talks about how your Word is a a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. So everything that is hidden in our lives, everything that is hidden in the world will be made known, will, will be made clear by the word of God. To refuse the light of the word of God is to end up in darkness. So as we look at all of this, we, we see 
a very simple truth, but a very important truth. God's word is critical for us. It's the same idea that we talked about last week, talking about how important it was that the seed that Jesus was talking about was the word of God that was being cast out into people's lives, into people's hearts, and and, and how they received that was the different soils. So as we talk about it this week, it's important for us, as Jesus says here again in these verses, it's important for us to, to consider how we respond to the word of God. See, if Jesus teaches that his word is light, that is, it talks about this lamp being the word of God, we also realize that, that if we are God's representatives in the world, that if we are referred to in other places in Scripture, Matthew chapter 5 talks about how we are the light. We are the light of the world. Matthew 5 verses 14 through 16, Jesus uses this exact same illustration of a lamp to, to command his disciples to reflect the light of God to the world, to reflect the truth of God to the world around them. He says in verse 14, you are a light of the world. A city on a, set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, right? That sounds familiar. But they put it on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. See, we live in a, a, a context, we live in a place today where uh, Christians often feel the need to apologize or, or explain away different things that God has said that may be difficult for us to understand. They may be difficult for us to receive, and so uh, we'll, we'll hear people occasionally say, well, well I, I know what the Bible says, but God didn't really mean it that way. You guys ever thought that before? God, God couldn't have meant for that because that sounds difficult that sounds hard that 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 doesn't sound loving there are times where people it sounds like we're making excuses for god we're 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 we're, we're trying to explain away things that god says are true that that we hope not to offend people so we try to soften the blow a little bit but if we're not willing to say what the Bible says, if we're not willing to stand up for what the Bible says is true, how are we going to do it? Remember last week we, we, we talked, we finished with this idea of hearing God's word and doing God's word. James talks about how we should not be merely hearers of the word, but be doers. How can we do that if we're not even willing to, to understand what it says or to, to say what it says, to say that it really is truth? Having emphasized through this parable, through this idea of the lamp, through uh, the, the, the parable before that of the sower and the seeds, Jesus had emphasized the importance of hearing and responding appropriately to the word of God. Luke is also stressing the importance here of the reality that, that in order for people to hear and obey the word of God, the church has to do its job too. We have to be the light of the world that is not hidden under a basket, is not put under the bed, is not, is not snuffed out, is not hidden away, but is put on a lampstand so that what is light, what is true, can be made known. The gospel light is not meant to be hidden. Let's look now at, at verses 19, 20, and 21. See, as Jesus is teaching this little story about the lamp, his mother and his brothers show up. We don't always think about Jesus having a family. We, we don't think about that reality because we don't see it too much in Scripture. But 
his mother and his brothers show up and they want to see him. Let's read those verses again. Verse 19, it says, His mother and brothers came to him, and, and they were unable to get to him because of the crowd. It was reported to Jesus that your mother and your brothers are standing outside wishing to see you, but he answered and said to them, My mother and brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. All right? seems like Jesus is giving us, a, we've, we've kind of turned into this area of, of how does God talk about family. So I wanted to, to consider a little bit, what does God have to say about family? What does the Bible have to say about family? Well, we see this place in, in Luke chapter 8 where Jesus says, my brothers and, and, and my mother are those who hear the word of God and do it. But there's other places that the Bible talks about family. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says that anyone who loves their family more than him is not worthy of following him. Matthew 10, verses 34 through 38, I want to read for you guys. It says, do not think, Jesus here talking, he says, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. All right, that's one of those things that, that seems a little uncomfortable, right? God wants me to hate my family. Is that what we learned and took away from here today? All right, we got to explain that one a little bit. So uh, what God is saying here, what, what Jesus is communicating there is that, that he has to be the most important thing, that our allegiance is like, Lie with him first. What else does the Bible say about family, right? We've got, uh, God doesn't contradict himself, so what else does it say? In contrast to that harsh saying of Jesus in Matthew 10, there are other places in the Bible that seem to encourage positive responses, positive things, uh, feelings, and, and, and relationships with family. Exodus chapter 20 says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Colossians chapter 3 and, and, and Ephesians as well says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. 1 Timothy chapter 5, that, there, there's a section there that talks about the importance of children taking care of a widowed parent. Children looking out for a parent that, that, that has fallen on the difficult season of being a widow. God does not tell us to abandon our physical family. But... What he does tell us is, is that when we come to faith, we are adopted into God's family. Romans chapter 8 talks about that really clearly. It's a wonderful passage that talks about how we are, we are adopted into God's family. We're brought into God's family. We're a part of his family no matter where we come from. Uh, we are, uh, in, in Galatians chapter 3, it talks about how we are clothed with Christ and belong to Christ. I want to read for you guys a few verses, Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29 says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. What those verses are telling us is that that even though we may come from different places, it doesn't matter if you're of Jewish descent or, 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 or some other place, Gentile, wherever you may come from, whatever family you come from, wherever, wherever is in your past, it doesn't, 
matter as much because, because now we are brought together in Christ. We have a, a common family connection, a common family bond as we are all adopted by God in that relationship with Christ. Jesus isn't telling us to go home and beat up mama today. Jesus isn't telling us to go home and, and, and respond harshly to family, to, to, to excommunicate family. To, I, I, don't, I, I got no time for you because I've got important stuff to do for Jesus. But he is saying that those that are in the family of Christ share a far more important bond. We share a more important calling even over flesh and blood. There is nothing that stands higher in our list of priorities in our life than our relationship with God. And as that being the most important thing in our life, that means that, that many of the times our, our closest relationships are not the people that share our flesh, share our blood, share, share those family ties, but they are the people who share those priorities that, that are sitting around us on a cold Sunday morning considering what God has to say to us together. Jesus' sense of priority of, of one's commitment to follow God is instructive for us because as, as Jesus is talking about here, my, my mother, my brothers are those who hear God's word and do it. It may mean that there are times where, where there's a little bit of distance put between us and family. There, there may be pain of separation sometimes because if, if our family and our relationship with the Lord are moving in the same direction, that's wonderful. But what about when... God's desires for us pull us in a different direction of, of where our comfort or where our family or, or where our previous allegiances may, may seem to be pulling us towards. Well, what happens then? Well, in, in those instances, there are times where sometimes what may seem natural is not the most important response for us, is not the best response for us. And I stand here sharing with you guys this morning, kind of understanding this really personally, because in the last 18 months, I moved a few thousand miles uh, across the country. We're far away from a lot of our family. We're far away from uh, a lot of the, 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 the stuff that was comfortable. I was born in North Carolina, lived most of my life in Virginia. Carrie was born in Virginia in the town that, that we were living in before we moved out here. There's a lot of family, a lot of comfort, and a lot of things back on the East Coast about 3,000 miles away from here. But you know what? Over the last 18 months, I can tell you guys with absolute certainty that what Jesus is saying here is true. That what Jesus is saying here, the, the, the principle that Jesus is communicating of you will never regret following Christ. That, that, that faithfully following God is always worth it no matter how it impacts other things in your life. My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Jesus is saying God is the most important thing. Obeying God is the most important thing. And, and, and however that impacts other areas of our life, we can deal with that. I'm standing here today telling you guys I can deal with that. But that's an important idea that Jesus talks about here. The last two weeks have, have, have been kind of one common passage as we've seen these different stories between the seeds and the soil last week and the lamp this week and, and Jesus talking about my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. it it's, it's all kind of together and, and the main point of this whole little section that we've been looking at is found in verse 21. 
It kind of serves as the primary, the, the, the summary, the, the primary point of everything that we've been talking about since we started Luke chapter 8. Jesus says in, in verse 21 that we are his family if we hear and do God's word. A lot of people will, will, will come to their relationship with the Lord and they'll say, well, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm not really that close to God. I feel like God is distant. I feel like I don't hear from God. God, what, what's going on? Where are you? The key to intimacy with God is, is hearing God's word and doing it. We have the most intimate relationship with him if we hear and do his word. Luke eight twenty one. He answered and said to them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. So, confession time. Confession time, because as I stand up here and share with you guys, as I've been studying to prepare to, to, to speak last week and this week, God has really been convicting me, convicting in my heart the importance of, 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 of hearing God's word and doing it. And, and if we're going to hear God's word and do it, well, Really, the, the, the most important discipline that we can have in that is taking time to read God's Word. Taking time to, to read and consider what God has to say and, and, and confession. I had slipped into a pattern of, of laziness at different times in my life. Recently, I've, I've, I've found myself so busy with different uh, things, different, different issues that, that would steal my attention or would steal my time that that, that, that my personal feeding time in the Word of God had become shortchanged a little bit. The Lord showed me that, that as I was kind of sitting still, I felt like, you know, all right, God, well, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with uh, the Word of God. I spent a lot of time studying and considering and reading, and, and so, you know, I've got this, like, wealth of knowledge, this, this bank of knowledge that I can kind of run off of for a while, but but we don't really get to sit in neutral, do we? Even though I felt like I was maybe just sitting in neutral, I wasn't really sitting in neutral because like we talked about last week, we use this illustration. If we're not using our muscles and strengthening our muscles, and they start to die, right? A muscle, a physical muscle, if you don't use it, it atrophies. It dies, and after not using it week after week, month after month, year after year, if you were to just sit still in a chair there would come a day where you couldn't get up and walk around anymore. Those muscles would have died out to the point where you don't have the ability to do what you previously did. Your muscles don't just sit in neutral. If you're not strengthening them, they're getting weaker. I would make the argument that our faith is the same way, that we don't just get to sit in neutral, that if we are not strengthening our faith, if we are not coming to God and, and wanting more and wanting more, and God give me more, then, then we're sliding down the hill. Then, then our muscle, our faith muscles are getting weaker. Tell me, I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hand or anything, but tell me if this doesn't sound like a, a familiar story, a familiar picture of how this kind of slips in and, and we find ourselves in this place where we're spiritually dry. See, we don't really set out to, to, to find ourselves in this desert place, this dry place where our relationship with God is, is stale. But we wake up one morning, maybe we're a little late, maybe we're, we're running late for work or for an appointment or something, and so we skip our personal time in the Word. We skip our quiet time, and, and we can still kind of remember that time from yesterday. We can still kind of smell the fumes of yesterday's time with the Lord, and so we, 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 we brush past it, we skip over, and th that day kind of goes okay, right? 
I can still uh, remember, I can, I can still sense God close from yesterday, but the second morning you wake up and maybe you're not running late, but yesterday went pretty good. I didn't get to spend personal time with the Lord yesterday, so I think I'll just sleep in again today. You know, this pillow is really comfortable. I think I'm just going to snooze the alarm a couple of times and, and stay here. The third morning, maybe we feel guilty, so uh, we, we wake up and, and we start to feel this, this strange sensation in our relationship with the Lord, so we need to get a little something. So uh, we, we, we hurry up and open up our Bible and, and, and rush through reading whatever our, our daily Bible reading is, but it's not really a, a true investment of our time. We don't really sit down and, and care to listen to what God has to say. We just rush through it. And it's more like a, a man grabbing a piece of toast on the way out the door than it is sitting down and, and feeding ourselves from the Word of God. Fourth day, we have our quiet time. We, we spend time in the Word, but somehow it seems less rewarding than it did previously. It happens. It happens subtly. It happens quickly to us when we when we stop focusing ourselves on, God, I need more. God, I need more. God, God I, 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 want to, I want to feed myself. I need more of you. I, I want to grow my faith muscles. If we're not growing them, they're getting weaker. It's important for us to feed ourselves on God's word. It's important for us to feed ourselves daily, to feed ourselves several times a day. You would not be a healthy person if you ate one meal a week. We can't be a healthy Christian if we come to church and eat one meal a week either. We have to feed ourselves and feed ourselves regularly. Don't try to rest on sermons from last week or last month or, or, or the fact that you read through your Bible 17 years ago and, and somehow that feels like enough. We have to feed ourselves for today. So, as we finish up, I thought, how can we most effectively use our time this morning to, 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 to collectively push ourselves forward, to collectively help as we acknowledged last week, acknowledged in the first part of this week, the way that we uh, strengthen our relationship with God is by, is by hearing God's word and doing it. My, my mother and my brothers, my family, Jesus said, are, are those who hear my word and do it. Well, we need to know what's in the Bible. We need to read it for ourselves. We need to feed ourselves. But, but maybe that doesn't resonate with you. So I, I want to make briefly a, a short little argument of why it's important, why it's valuable for you to read your Bible. Why should you read the Bible? What does it do for me? Well, I, I came up with a few things. The first reason that you should read your Bible is that it guides us. Psalm 119, verse 105, it's, it's a verse I said just a few moments ago. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It guides us as we read and consider and study God's word. Second thing it does is it guards us from sin. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. The next thing God's word does for us is that it equips us to follow and to serve God. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17 talking about scripture. It says, All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. It equips us. It, it helps us be prepared for all of the things that God wants us to do. 
God didn't just say, hey, go, go be a good person. Hey, go and stop sinning. Hey, go and, and make a difference in the world. Good luck. No, he, he gave us the tools that we needed to actually be able to accomplish that and do that. And we have those tools at our disposal in his word. But it's important for us to pick it up and to use it. It teaches us what's right. It teaches us what's not right. It teaches us how to get right, and it teaches us how to stay right. That's the simplest explanation I've heard of 2 Timothy 3.16. I love that. Teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. What else does the Word of God do for us? Well, it, it sustains us. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4 says, as, as Jesus is responding to temptation in Matthew 4, he quoted this verse said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You know what else God's word does for us is it allows us to obey and be blessed. James chapter 1 verse 25 says, the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. It allows us to know what God wants from us. It allows us to, to, to know and to understand God, to obey him, and to be blessed for that effort. And the last one's just a really pragmatic, really simple question that I just came up with. Uh, have you ever known a mature Christian, a, a mature person in their faith who didn't read their Bible? Maybe that's the best argument for all of us. The way that we grow up, the way that we become stronger, the way that our relationship with God gets to the point that that we look around and uh, maybe you don't do this, but I do this. I, I look around and I go, man, you know what? I, I really hope that in a few years I have the relationship with the Lord like Pastor Dave does. I look at, at, at people in my life and I go, man, I wish I could be like that person. I wish I could have a relationship with the Lord like that person. And we have mature Christians that we look up to, you know, the way that they got where they are by day after day after day, taking steps day after day after day, growing up a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And the simplest way that we do that is by hearing from God, is by hearing from God through his word. So it's important for us to read our Bible. Maybe, just maybe, you're sitting here going, all right, God, I, I, I want to read my Bible more. But it's difficult. It's hard for me. I, uh, there, I, I feel like I don't understand it sometimes. I feel like it doesn't make sense. Well, good news, I have thoughts for that too. I wanted to give you guys some basic, simple tips to help you with your Bible reading as we finish up. First thing that I think is really important for us is something that, that I found important years ago, but it, it, it came from last week's passage. It comes from last week's passage as Jesus talks about in, in several different places in Scripture, talks about, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Before I ever sit down and try to read the Bible, every single time, you know what I do? I pause and I pray. Because reading the Bible is not just like reading a, a textbook where we just have to, 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 to intellectually understand what it says. It's a living document. It's a document that, that is revealed to us, is, is opened up to us by the Spirit of God at work in our hearts. And so God is at work every time we pick it up. So God before I sit down and read anymore, I, I, I want to pray. I want to say, God, give me ears to hear what you have to say to me this morning. God, give me ears to hear what you have to say as I sit down to read your word. Pray before you read. Next thing I'd tell you to do is find a translation that you can understand. 
I'm going to give you guys the, the, the super simple version of this really important thing that we believe about the Bible. We believe that, that the Bible is inspired by God, is, is breathed out by God, literally. God gave every word to human authors that wrote it down. And as the word of God that was breathed out by God, it means that it's perfect. It means that it doesn't have any errors. There are no mistakes. It doesn't contradict itself. Everything fits together perfectly. But that was done thousands of years ago. The Bible was not written in English in 2020. I don't know if you guys have heard, but it's, it's kind of old. It was written in Hebrew. It was written in Greek. It was written in other languages. And if you've ever tried to have a conversation across a language barrier, there's always... There, there's different ways that you can get from, from, from Spanish to English or from Greek to English or from Latin or, or, or whatever language. You're tra- it doesn't always translate perfectly. So what we've done and, and the reason why we have all these different Bible translations is because it's a bunch of different people's effort to, to, to truly communicate what the original says. What the original says is, is important for us to understand. But we are not bound to some guy from Texas and, and the way that he translated it from this language to that language. Pick one that you can understand. There's lots of them. They're, they're all pretty good. There are different values in them. There are some of them that are more literal. And so you get kind of bumpy readings that don't read quite as smooth, but they're super literal and they super clearly communicate what the original language says. That's what the New American Standard, it, it kind of lives in that end of the spectrum. That's what we study from here because we want to get as close as we possibly can. But if that's difficult for you to understand, if the, 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 the King James or the New King James is difficult for you to understand, pick one that's easier for you to understand. I'll tell you guys this morning, it would be a lot better for you to pick a translation that you could understand and read it regularly than it would be for you to have one that's super literal and sits on your shelf. Pick one that you can understand and read it, and read it a lot. Whatever translation that is for you, wonderful. I'd love to help you fig- figure that out if you have questions. I've got uh, different uh, documents and things that kind of help explain that, and, and we can find you something, but, but find one that you can read and understand and read it. The next thing I'd tell you to do is read whole books of the Bible. Don't just read a verse of the day. Don't just read little snippets because uh, this idea of reading all the way through books of the Bible, it's, it's why we study all the way through books of the Bible. It helps us understand, well, what happened in the verses before that? Well, what, what, what's going to happen next? How, how does this all fit together in the bigger story? It actually helps us with this next question, this, this next thing that I'd encourage you to do because The next thing that's important for us to do is to not just ask, what does it mean to me? It's important for us to ask, what does it mean? Before we try to answer the question, what does it mean to me? One of the most common mistakes that we can make when we pick up our Bible is to pick it up and to read it and go, oh, well, that sounds good. That that actually addresses an issue that I was having right now. So so I'm just going to take this and directly apply it to me. Sometimes it works really wonderfully like that. Sometimes there's context. Sometimes there's, there's something being communicated there that we don't pick up at first glance. It's important for us to ask the question, well, this, was a, this is a historical document, right? This is something that was written thousands of years ago, and it was written to specific people in that time. Well, what did it mean to them? How did they interpret it? How did they understand it? 
We have to understand what it meant to them before we can understand what it means to us. There are instances scattered all throughout Scripture where it says something very clearly, and it says what it means. I'm not saying that it's wrong, but it's important for us to understand what it means before we try to apply it to us. There are places in Scripture, in in Leviticus, that tell us not to cut our hair. Do not shave your head or put marks on your body, says the Lord. I'm standing up here in front of you in big trouble if it says don't cut the hair on your head. I don't wake up and look like this every morning. It takes a little bit of work sometimes. Cut the hairs on my head. So what does it mean? What is it communicating? Does it mean don't cut the hairs on your head, or is there, is there a reason that that was communicated thousands of years ago? Well, there was an ancient practice where people would, would, would mutilate their body, would cut themselves, would mark themselves, would put tattoos on their body, would do all these things to try to appease the gods for their dead ancestors to try to appease the gods, to, to somehow earn favor for those who were dead. What God's saying is not, don't shave your heads, don't, don't put cuts on your body, because cutting your hair is somehow bad. What he's saying is, don't fall into that ancient practice of what they were trying to accomplish, marring themselves. It's important for us to understand what it meant then, before we can apply it accurately now. And the best way to do that is to sit down with your Bible. When you sit down to read, sit down and read your Bible, but also have some study notes there. Also, pick out a good commentary. Pick out, there, there's, there's a, a John MacArthur commentary. There's a, a Bible knowledge commentary set. There's two of them. I love them. There's an Old Testament and a New Testament. The Believer's Bible Commentary is a wonderful commentary. There's all these great resources that you can sit down with your Bible and read it. And as you read it and you read something that goes, huh, that seems strange. What did that mean? Well, I can go over here and I can look and I can figure out what some guy that spent all of his life studying what that means and, and what he says that it means. And well, that helps me. That can help me so that that when I'm reading something, I don't misunderstand it. Read from the Word of God. Hear from the Word of God first. Let God speak. But if something doesn't make sense, now you've got a resource that you can turn and look to. Get a good study Bible. It it has those notes down at the bottom of the page a lot of the time. Pick something out that that you can sit with, and, and as you read, as you study the Bible, you can understand what it means. And the last thing that I'd tell you as you try to read the Bible and and try to make this habit an important step in your daily process. It's the same thing that we said last week. The last point is, don't just read it, do what it says. We don't just read the Bible to to sit and to read it and to to, to understand some cool facts or, or to be able to impress somebody at church with how much we know we read it because it's the Word of God and because it has instruction for us. It has things that we should not just hear and understand, but be hearers that do. James chapter 1, we, we talked about last week, James one twenty two. Do not just be merely hearers of the Word, but be doers. That was a very simple and very straightforward way for us to, to finish our time together last week. And I thought about finishing the exact same way reading that verse, but instead of doing that, I I thought maybe we'll do it this week a little bit more emphatically. It's a little less sanctified, but it still kind of communicates the idea because Arnold Schwarzenegger, about 30 years ago in the movie Predator, he's screaming at the Predator, 
He says, do it. Do it now. You know what? When we read our Bible, let Arnold scream at you. Do it. Do it now. You read a verse and it says, go and and love your enemies. Do it now. It says, pray for those who persecute you. Do it now. Don't just be hearers of the word. Do it. And do it now. In a minute when we finish, our prayer team is going to be over here on your right, on my left. If you'd like to talk with someone, if you uh, just need prayer, they would love to pray with you. I'll be walking around. Come find me if you want to talk to someone. But don't just let... Don't just let this message be another one that we hear and we bury some way, somewhere away in the back of our mind. Don't just be hearers of the word. Be doers. Jesus, verse 21. He answered and said to them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you speak to us, that you speak to us clearly, that you speak to us through the written words of Scripture. And God, that we are not abandoned to try to figure this life out on our own. God, we thank you that, God, that you speak to us and that we can hear from you, that we can be people who don't just hear and understand what you have to say. God, help us to be people who hear it and do it. God, help us to be lights that are are not lit and then hidden away under a container, hidden away under a basket, hidden away under the bed. God, help us to be a light that that shines. God, help us to be a a lamp that is boldly set on a lampstand so that it casts light to all who are around. God, help us to be people who, God, who stand for what's true. God, who stand on the foundation of your word. God, you have revealed yourself to us. God, help us to never apologize for that. God, help us to be so intimately connected with you that, God, we we stand up for what's true. God, we need you. God, we need your word. God, help us to be people of your word. Speak to us. Speak to us every moment of every day. God, help us to have ears to hear what you have to say to us. We need you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.